Happy Overreaction Monday, one and all. Welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL on YouTube. And follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora will tell us if the Ravens won't be taking the AFC North crown after all. There is a lot to get to recapping Sunday of Week 10. Joe, let's get started by pointing out the obvious. We finally saw points across the league. The overs were definitely cashing. And also the most dangerous spread margin is apparently six. It's not three Mm -hmm. or one and a half or one. But the most dangerous margin was six. I guess with all of those points, a six-point margin is not that big of a deal to overcome. Yeah, on the scoring front, what what is most notable? Obviously, because through the first nine weeks, it's been all about the unders. The unders is going to be another talking point tonight because they're ten and one or whatever on Monday Night Football uh, this season. But it's uh, it, it's the way they went over. They were just demolished. It wasn't a situation where oh the the numbers got too low, and then that means there's uh, the scoring. It ended up going over. We knew there was going to be one of those weeks. That's just what happens in the National Football League. No, it was they got destroyed. If you look at the Lions-Chargers game, that thing went over by more than 30 points. If you look at the Browns-Ravens game, that thing went over by 20 points. It just wasn't close in some of them. So we finally have a week where the majority of games do go over the total. Now, we also need to point out there are a number of games that went under. The Titans couldn't do anything, scoring only six points. That game against Tampa Bay goes under. Oh, the Patriots couldn't do anything either. They decided to bench a guy in the last drive of the game when the game's on the line. They also scored six points over in Frankfurt, Germany. So we we did have a number of games where the offense is stunk. Oh, like, I don't know, last night. Nobody saw that coming. It was just (laughs) a train wreck. You couldn't stop watching. Uh, So, yeah, it's finally an overs week. It doesn't mean you bet all overs every single week. We'll see what happens in the market. Um, You know, when we were talking about Survivor, and I think this came up in teasers as well, the six-point spread. You got to be careful with these. And and I wish I had more conviction on the dogs in some of these matchups. And we were seeing the market move these numbers down. A lot of numbers that were six and a half all week, strong sixes, we're getting bet down to five and a half on game day. We always want to respect the betting market, but yeah, we had some surprises there. Cleveland with the upset. Baltimore was like six, six and a half all week. Houston with the upset. Cincinnati was six. This was bet down to five and a half, six and a half much of the week. And Washington almost pulled off the upset against Seattle. So all six of all three of those dogs of six for the most part end up covering. To win outright. There's a reason it's six and not seven. This is why you don't tease from six down to a pick'em. There is a massive difference between six and seven, six and a half, seven and a half. Just remember that if there's one big takeaway from this week, Aaron. Well, I'm just glad I don't bet a lot of teasers. That's why I take. Well, you you don't. That's not a teasable number. People think it is. It's like, oh, I just need them to win. Like, no, you're not supposed to tease six to zero. You're not. Yeah. No. 
the the Browns winning outright that was crazy. I cannot wait to talk to Jason Lockwood for uh, about the Ravens because I thought <laughs> wow. they were cruising to a win, and then I was like, "Whoa, sure. what is going on here?" Uh-huh. That was a fun. I thought it was a lot of fun football. I'm glad overs were finally hitting because I was kind of getting bored of the unders again, unders again. We knew eventually. Well, we even talked about it last week. Soon this is going to turn around, right? And yep. sure enough, it did. I don't think a lot of us bet totals on this show, but uh, I was never on the under trend anyway. <laughs> but it seemed like eventually. And now you look at this week, we've got like almost five double-digit spreads. It's crazy just how you know things are changing, it seems. Oh, I took the under on the Jets Raiders game. Don't you worry about totals, Aaron. Totals are still being represented here in the trio. <laughs> took under on primetime. That cashed. That wasn't a problem at all. You just have to pick and choose where these unders are going to happen. And that seemed like right. an obvious one to me. By the way, real quickly, the Raiders are 500. That's insane. This quick digression, like as much as we have complained about the Las Vegas Raiders, they're 500 right now. Yeah, I know the last two games were against the Giants and Jets, but they're not one of the worst teams in football. And that is insane to me that we can draw such a conclusion. Anyway, it, you mm. know, when it comes Wait, are, to are we that, sure? That, are we sure, though, about that statement that, that they're, they're not 500? But, yeah. Yeah, they stink. No, they're 500, but they also stink. Like, I don't they're think they're not they, good. They, you think they're good okay that level between like (laughs) giants right now and okay you know pick your mediocre team they're probably in the middle of that so i don't think they're terrible no 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 i mean if you're through 10 weeks and you're five and five i don't think you're terrible i i mean yeah i think you're you're not great but definitely like the raiders are not going to be this team that you just want to fade you know blindly i wouldn't do that 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 would be bad I, I process would, to me. There's enough there where I think the Raiders have something to show us where I go, you know what? Be careful uh, with this team. Don't just blanket, you know, fade them. Right. I think the Raiders and the Steelers, they keep finding ways to win. I wouldn't say they're fraudulent. It's somewhere between fraudulent, getting lucky, and scrappy. I'm not really sure what they're doing, but they're finding <laughs> ways to win. And, and it might be different one week to the away. next, you know? It might be just different from one week. Like today, you know, we're going to call them scrappy. Next week, we're going to call them lucky. But what we do know is that they're not the Giants, which could very well be the worst team in football. And definitely that's something I know we'll talk about later in the show about how we're supposed to evaluate the Dallas Cowboys after a game like that, because that's definitely (laughs) worth a conversation as far as unpacking what we're supposed to believe about Dak Prescott and company. But, but anyway, enough of that, enough of the Raiders. Aaron, you mentioned the Browns-Ravens game, and I think one of the things that we have to be mindful of whenever we're talking about these totals is that just because that game had a ton of points doesn't mean that the defenses were bad. I thought those were stellar defensive performances. It's just that Lamar Jackson is an exceptional quarterback, and Deshaun Watson was playing out of his mind. But there were still times when both quarterbacks struggled against good coverages, against zone Lamar Jackson went four of eight for 43 yards, a pick and two sacks. Against man, Deshaun Watson went five of 11 for 26 yards and two sacks. I get there were a couple of pick sixes in that ball game, but even aside from those, I thought both defenses played exceptionally well, and there were still a ton of points scored. So when we're talking about totals, 
you need to be careful that it's not just, okay, these defenses are really good. Therefore, they're going to reign supreme. No, it's very possible Mm -hmm. we're going to get some great quarterback performances now. Not a lot of them, but enough of them to where you have to take that aspect of the game seriously, Joe. Yeah, the margin for error. So, like, you were talking about picking your spots with totals, and and I think that's an excellent point. So the ones that we brought up, that flew way over. Think about the level of coaching and the level of quarterback play that we have in those with those teams compared to other teams. Of course, with Cleveland and Baltimore. Now, Watson, this is the best that we've seen him in Cleveland, right? That second half? He was perfect. Yes. He was. 100% um, that was the best. Yeah, it's not even close. And then, of course, you, Lamar was mistake-prone yesterday. It was the bad Lamar that, that showed up. But going against the best defense, he has that higher ceiling. So if given an opportunity, short fields with both of these teams, you want to trust them. The Lions and Chargers. like Yeah, Herbert against Goff and company. Lions all healthy. Everybody's back. Montgomery did his part. Gibbs did his part. Like the, These are the teams that we're talking about flying over. Uh, what Dallas was able to do. They went over the number by themselves and that didn't shock anybody like we expected that to happen it's the ones that go under it is a rookie on the road and well will levis even though i was buying into him unable to do anything they had about 200 yards in the game and the dumpster fire that is the new england patriots just doing absolutely oh, nothing oh my god those post-game comments from uh, bailey zappy i'm like just blow it up it's getting – it's done. I know they're not going to do it in season, but that thing is a wrap. But, no, um, there are going to be a lot of sweeping statements about overs and how the unders are done now. And look, let's see how the, the books adjust. No, just like betting anything in this sport, case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You got to pick and choose your spots, like Ed said. And we do bet totals on this show, but I wouldn't say either – well, any of us are like, we only bet totals. And I think that's no. important, especially if that's right. not your forte, you got to be careful and pick <laughs> and choose your spots. Um, but one thing I wanted to mention, one of my biggest takeaways was CJ Stroud. The guy did it again. We keep waiting and waiting mm-hmm. and waiting. And I looked this morning, he's 60 to one for MVP. Obviously it's very difficult some would say impossible to be a rookie and win the MVP. But I wanted to ask you guys, is it something we should take a look at with so many of these quarterbacks, maybe not having the strongest case this season? Could CJ Stroud be there? For me, the answer is no. I don't want to bet on that award. There are other ways to back the Texans I am more than comfortable doing. One of the things, and Aaron, you and I have talked about this extensively, that the Texans were offering us great value to win the AFC South. And I think at plus 250, yeah, it's not the 11 to 1 it was, but I think it's still good. I think it's more than good. Plus 250 when they're only, what, a game out right now and they've beaten the Jaguars already? I mean, Jacksonville looked terrible against the 49ers so much so don't get me started on that (laughs) (laughs) right exactly yeah public poly doesn't want us to get started on that you know naturally omitting that uh in our conversation but that's the thing is that like the texans still offer us a ton of value other ways that's how i want to bet on them i do want to tail them because it's probably now at the point where yeah 
The Texans are for real. This offense is for real. C.J. Stroud is for real. But I don't necessarily want to believe that he's going to be MVP. A, it's really hard for a rookie to win that honor. B, yeah, there aren't just a great number of clutch quarterback performances out there. But the ones that are out there, they're going to be really tough to surpass. And we're going to see one of those quarterbacks Monday night who could very well go off and change this MVP race. And I'm fully expecting that to happen. And also, too, when it comes to the numbers for C.J. Stroud, they're not perfect. And you need them Mm -hmm. to be perfect to win this honor. Yeah, he's averaging nearly 12 air yards per attempt, which is really, really high. And when a rookie is doing that and chucking it as much as he did, that usually means a low completion rate, getting sacked a lot, et cetera. But those things aren't happening. 15 touchdowns, two interceptions, 46% success rate, top half of starting quarterbacks, 5.5% sack rate is ninth lowest. So the numbers are more than serviceable enough to where the rookie race is over that the Texans can win the division. And there are probably other ways to back this team because I think the pass rush for the Texans is really, really good. The problem is to win MVP, you need to be playing at an even higher level than he already is. And I think that element surprise may be fooling us just a little bit, Joe. Yards per game. Go to the top. Oh, C.J. Stroud. Passing yards per game, he is now number one in the NFL, averaging 292 passing yards per game. That was Cousins before, now it's Stroud. For yards, Howell still has the lead, but that's only because Howell hasn't had his bye yet. He's played in 10 games. He's at 27.83. Stroud right there, number two, 26.26. We are holding our 80 to 1 passing yard leader Stroud ticket from early in the season, which was made during the year because we figured you have situations like this. The defense is going to give up a lot, and he has a connection with all these young receivers. Nico Collins being out didn't impact him one iota. As far as MVP, not spending a dollar on this. First off, I see 30s everywhere this morning. I see a 20 out there. So the value is already shot on that. And the rules that we have to follow for MVP, yes, I know Rookie of the Year, um, look, they don't change. Go to the top. They have no chance of being a top two seed in the AFC. That's the thing. Houston's five and four on the year. It's an awesome story. They might win the division. That's a conversation now. There are only, what, one game behind Jacksonville? So that's real. And, you know, the perception is it's an awful division because the bottom half of it with Indy and Tennessee is pretty terrible, too. So I think he has no shot at winning. I'm okay having the conversation, but he's not winning the MVP. He's just going to run away with offense rookie of the year. He may have already won that. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, they've already won five games, and they only won two last year. He's had a lot of late game winning drives to win games it's just been impressive what he's done Mm -hmm. they definitely have to win the division though if he's going to continue to be in the conversation this is becky daily presented by betmgm coming up next an interesting thing is going on with the arizona cardinals and there's some important bets to place because of it that's right here on the becky network
Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you as we continue our recap of Sunday, Week 10. And I want to talk about the Arizona Cardinals because they don't get that much love because they have a terrible record and certainly they were favorites to have the worst record for a long time. And now I am more than convinced that they are not the worst team in football. In fact, they might be in that Las Vegas Raiders range that we're talking about where they're not mediocre, but they're not the Giants. They're not the Jets offense like we saw last night. And the reason for this is because of Kyler Murray. He had a decent day against the Falcons. By the way, Joe, we backed Mm -hmm. the Falcons. What a mistake that was for us. Like, what were we thinking? Believing that the Falcons could knock off the 1-8 Cardinals. How dumb are we for that pick? I know. I know, man. We should have known Heine. When Heineke said, this is our Super Bowl, like, oh, they're (laughs) grasping. These people are grasping. Right. So Heineke, one of the quarterback injuries on the day, there were a couple of them, uh, one of them, but it, it was later on. But my God, my they had, between the two of them, Heineke and Ritter, they had 70 passing yards against Arizona. What? That's one of the worst pass defenses <laughs> in football. <laughs> I, what was going on? Yes. All, all the attention on this game is going to go to Kyler Murray. And, and I totally get all that. The, the dude's been been out a year and, you know, they target this as a date to come back and they're at home, come back, victory, all, all that stuff. Great story. Awesome. James Connors on the field too. He's doing his thing. Uh, Kyler eventually looked like old Kyler. Like early on, he was tentative. I, I was watching it kind of thinking, you know, maybe the coaches told him not to run, but then hopefully he went over the rush. Then thankfully he went over the rushing prop afterwards. Like, he got a little more free. He was Kyler. I uh, saw the touchdown scramble as well. Uh, but, but yeah, maybe we should be spending more time talking about the Falcons and what the hell is going on with that team and that that coaching staff. Like they are, they are grasping at straws here. They're now what four and six on the season. Day mm-hmm. out of that division race. No, but I, I where you were going with this Cardinals big storyline. So. Now we don't look as stupid by talking about the Cardinals over on the win total before the season. No, like right. I, I'm looking at, at the draft order this morning because the Bears have the one with Carolina. And so Arizona slips. They have the same record, I believe, as the Giants and the Patriots. The Giants right. and the Patriots are a much bigger threat to the Bears for that one, which is the Carolina pick. They're a much bigger threat to lose out than the Arizona Cardinals. I'm looking at the Cardinals' upcoming schedule, and, and guys, I see some winnable games. I see. I know it's Houston, and everybody's high on Houston, and I get it. They can go and win that game. Uh, L.A. Rams, Pittsburgh, all of them are winnable games. I know Stroud, is, everybody's talking about him, but remember a few weeks ago, he did have a couple of duds that were back-to-back. Like, he's a rookie. He almost lost the game. He almost gave it to the Bengals. With that near pick six, it was an interception which which set up a touchdown for Cincinnati uh, to get them back into that ball game. But you know he's a rookie; that's expected. He's going to make mistakes like that. So, like these are winnable games for Arizona. And the handicap for the Cardinals before the season started was: we think Kyler will be back around week nine, week ten. It's week ten, so you're going to have him the second half of the year. And there are winnable games on the schedule. All that is still in play here, Aaron. 
And they have the Bears coming up too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm Arizona, I want to be losing games that they've got like four, I think four that you pointed out winnable games here. So they're going to be moving off that first pick for sure. I think also we got to look at the other side. The Atlanta defense allowing Kyler Murray to do what he did. I think they deserve a lot of blame also. I mean, they made him look good. There wasn't any, it didn't seem like a ton of rust. And I think that the Falcons made it easier for him, Ed. Yeah, it certainly did. And we should put the Falcons defense in jail because they fooled us at the start of the season with safety Jesse Bates to believe that they were actually going to be formidable, that the Falcons were a well-rounded team. The question was just a quarterback, if they could just be a managerial type. No, no, the Falcons are way, way more bereft of talent than we believed. And now we're starting to see that coaching is a big problem. Arthur Smith to be fired. Definitely, that's something we need to look into as far as that market goes. But specifically when it comes to Kyler Murray, I would push back on the idea that the Cardinals need to be losing games. I believe that it is possible that the Cardinals can rebuild and reload with Kyler Murray. Why do you need to get rid of him knowing full well that, yes, you have some talented quarterbacks in the shoot, but you do not know if they are going to pan out. You do know what you have with Kyler Murray. And given the state of the league right now, it's not going to take a whole hell of a lot for Kyler Murray to be a top 12 quarterback in this league. And especially in that division, top 12 in the league could be number one in the NFC West. With Brock Purdy Mm -hmm. still being a relative unknown, with Geno Smith, you know, being quite volatile, and the Rams are just the Rams. Kyler Murray had a decent day against the Falcons. It wasn't great. Not outstanding. CPOE of minus 3.3%, passer rating of 71, interception. The mobility, though, 10 rushing yards over expected. He hit 20-plus miles per hour on one of his carries. He is still a really fast guy. He can take off if a defense tries to blitz him. He wasn't very good against the blitz. But if he's taking off when they're sending too many pass rushers, then Kyler Murray can still very much be dangerous. And this is the thing about the Cardinals we need to keep in mind going forward is that you cannot just blanket fade them. There are many opportunities where they can win football games and they won't be challenging anyone for the number one overall draft pick. And I think it might take a little while for the market to catch up to the notion that the Cardinals are not tanking and that they're either going to rebuild around Kyler Murray or they're going to trade him and get a lot for him because I think the league does respect him at the end of the day. In certain situations, people give up on quarterbacks way too quickly. We want an answer immediately. But I think your point about the state of quarterback play is very important because he walked in, hadn't played in a year, and he looked like he's a top 15 quarterback in the league. And maybe he is with the, with the guys that we have playing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, people wanted to jump up and say they made a big mistake. Well, maybe they did. Maybe he's probably overpaid, but it doesn't mean you can't win with them. And if you do have something there, if you have a guy that can be a top 15 guy and you, you can work on everything else, why why start over a quarterback if you don't have to? Like There are a lot of teams that are hoping that they can draft a guy very high and find a bridge guy. 
those bridge names out there are not as good as Kyler Murray. They're not even close to Kyler Murray. And just, you know, in the micro for right now, pay attention to Trey McBride props. Yesterday, eight Mm -hmm. catches, 131 yards on nine targets. There is clearly a connection there. So maybe the books won't won't, uh, adjust truly in just one week. So that's something I would take a look at. He he did almost get Hollywood Brown in that one touchdown uh, pass where he was diving for it. He almost hauled it in. Mm -hmm. So, But I, I expect them to work that out over the coming weeks too. So if you're the Cardinals, what do you do in the draft? Do you if do you still try to get another quarterback or do you try to get Kyler some more weapons, work on the defense? What would you do? Right now they're the I think the five. Like let's say they're somewhere between five and ten. Almost all the teams in the top five are going quarterback hunting. Like they're gonna get their pick of non quarterback if that's what they want to do. That that it depends who's available, but yeah, you can protect Kyler or you can get a great pass rush. You can do something like that at a premium position. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go do it. Yeah. Teams are Makes going sense. to bid against each other massively to get one of those top five picks, mm-hmm. to get one of those highly touted quarterbacks. Trading down means the Cardinals are going to get a haul. And that's the whole thing is that if you're going to build around Kyler Murray, which I think is a good idea, then you trade down from one of your first round picks and get a haul for that in terms of draft capital you can rebuild this team in no time yeah it's going to be really really young it's going to become talented almost overnight that's not a bad place to be if you're the cardinals aaron Mm -hmm. no i agree i agree um i wasn't sure what to expect from kyler murray coming back but you guys are laying it out there and the connection between him and trey mcbride good point joe i mean he had what 131 receiving yards, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on. It's got to be his favorite target, probably. And maybe they don't need another quarterback. With all this terrible quarterback play that we're seeing, they could go elsewhere and uh, get a better roster moving forward, build around Kyler. They absolutely can. Absolutely can. Eight catches uh, for McBride. Uh, Catch rate over expected of 18.5%. Uh, he may be just enough to get this offense going again so that Kyler Murray hasn't doesn't have to do everything by himself. Uh, that will be fun to watch going forward and definitely a team not to just blanket fade uh, down the stretch. We got to talk about the Lions and Chargers. What a fantastic game that was. Obviously, that game went over. One of a handful of games, by the way, that was won on a field goal at the end of regulation. So that was fun to watch. Both offenses going back and forth. Keenan Allen, 6-1, to one, finishes as the week's receiving later with 175. He edges Brandon Cooks, uh, who went off for the Cowboys. Noah Brown with 172 yards. Brown was 130-1 to one to win that honor and said Keenan Allen edges him by just a few yards. Uh, but, Joe, the Lions, if they were making – or the, the pub for the Lions, more accurately – If they were making you vomit before, does this mean now you need to be admitted to the emergency room? I mean, that was off-season stuff. I'm okay. No, remember I picked them. I picked them, and uh, based on our contest picks, ends up being a push. But bets, uh, right before the game, it was two. It went down to two. There was buyback on the Chargers in the market. So that, that was one of those situations where it wasn't the late move. 
it's just I can't I'm not saying it was right on Detroit. It was just it got inside of three. We see how key, even with all the points that were scored in that game, three at the very end ends up being the most key number. Uh it pushed <laughs> it a lot of contests, just lands on that three. Lions 533 yards in the game, 8.3 yards per play. But we also can't criticize the Chargers. They were right there with them, missing Palmer. They were just fine. Uh, they've been without Mike Williams. They were just fine. Now, Keenan Allen, you mentioned that. And what a bad beat. Let's say you took a, a just a complete dart throw and Noah Brown to be the receiving leader because Nico Collins is out. Oh, three yards? Three yards because of Keenan Allen and everything he does? Is he going to be able to keep this up? Is this what you need from Keenan Allen? for them to be able to put up points. Quinn Johnson got into the end zone. Like He's a guy that's been uh, torn up and like, hey, this is your chance. You better step up. Well, he, he did score, so we'll see if we end up uh, seeing more from them. But, yeah, Lions approved to 7-2. and two. Minnesota wins, but Detroit also wins. So they, the Vikings don't gain any ground in the NFC North. Uh, that is something that they're, we're going to monitor moving forward. But, you know, I kind of walked away, and even though they lost guys, I was just as impressed in the Chargers. They fall below 500, four and five on the year, but still they, they hung with them. You know, they could have cowered and let the lions run away with it. They never did. They'd go up by a couple of scores. Boom. Here come the Chargers with another touchdown, 6.2 yards per play, 421 yards, uh, Chargers three for three in the red zone. So it was an L, but I walked away impressed by them. Yeah, I was impressed by Justin Herbert. Definitely felt like a bounce back game from him. On the Lions side, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs both had really good games. And after the game, Ben Johnson was saying, you know what? This is a good problem to have. Like, which guy is going to be the guy? I guess props-wise, that's a tough one to figure out because they're both really good. Uh, but on the flip side, you've got to look at the Chargers' run defense probably has a little work to do because both those guys looked really good on the lions oh man yeah looked like last year right their run defense yeah no kidding mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah certainly did that yeah easy problem for you to have ben johnson we as betters and even fantasy <laughs> right? players would love to know who's actually going to be the guy so i'm happy for you ben johnson Maybe maybe help us out a little bit, but, you know, he's not pulling an Arthur Smith and yelling at us for such things, so that's nice. By the <laughs> way, Lions and Chargers, <laughs> seven of eight on fourth down. That warms my wow. analytic heart that both coaches understand that their offenses are really good and they should trust them in fourth down situations. Sometimes it's the coaches, if you stop being so risk averse or whatever, they know their personnel. They know how good their offenses are. And if you're going for it consistently on fourth down, that's a pretty good indicator that these offenses are believed in, that the coaches are confident in the personnel they have. And it turned out well for both of them. Uh, you have a great offense, you need to trust it. And and certainly both did that. Yep. Yeah, that was, that was a great game, man. It, it was one of the better games we've seen this season, honestly. We, we complained about the lack of scoring. Yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope to see more of it. It was better than right. the San Francisco-Jacksonville game, which we thought was going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. Oh, no kidding. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, BetQL Courts right here on the BetQL Network.
We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, with Joe Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network. Make a bad bet. You can't handle the truth. Take a bad beat. I I plead the fifth. Or just something you want to get off your chest. Sir, you're out of order. I don't I show you out of order. BetQL Court is now in session on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Oye, oye, BetQL Court is now in session. The Honorable Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth presiding. Joe, who are you taking to court? Hmm, that's a pretty good weekend overall. Pleased with the college. Uh, NFL was pretty good. You know, I've, I feel like we need to spend more time on these alt numbers and see if we can find any because some of them, my God, it feels like a market that people aren't paying attention to. And then I started thinking about these alt numbers, and it brings me to C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb. We all knew he was going to have an amazing game, an amazing game. And the receiving prop was in the 70s, which was egregious. And we thank them for posting 70s. And I was trying to figure out why. Why was it in the 70s? And I think it's because the thought process was, okay, we're going to have a blowout here. And we have a 17-point favorite, so he's not going to play the entire game. That idea was correct. There was a blowout. He did not play the entire game. He sat the entire fourth quarter. That's right. But to get to the point where we have a blowout, where you have your star player sitting in the fourth quarter, that means you're scoring a lot of touchdowns in the first three quarters. That means it's completely out of hand, at least a three- to four-score game in that fourth quarter. And... I'm just noticing, and even at this point, after the last month that CeeDee Lamb has put up, 41 catches on 54 targets, 617 yards, which is an average of 154 per game, four touchdowns. He ran one in yesterday, too. And I don't know who, I can't name a person here, but CeeDee Lamb is not getting enough respect still. I'm looking this morning, and he's still 45-1 to for Offensive Player of the Year. He's 30 yards behind A.J. Brown. And C.D. Lamb did basically nothing the first month of the season. That's the kind of tear that he's on right now. And the idea of wide receiver winning the offensive player of the year, I'm behind because we saw it last two years, Jefferson and Cup. We want to branch out to four years. Michael Thomas won it. So three of the last four winners have been wide receivers. C.D. Lamb, he's the first receiver in NFL history with three straight games of 10-plus catches uh, in 150 yards. First time that has ever happened in the NFL. And he's 45-1 to to win Offensive Player of the Year, and A.J. Brown's 5-1? to I don't understand wow. it. I don't get it. People always talk about the Cowboys players get pumped up. They get so much love. Uh, the betting market's always out of whack with the Cowboys. For some reason, that is not the case with C.D. Lamb, and I don't understand it. Start putting some respect on this guy's name. He's a top three receiver in the league. 
So this, all the books are in jail today. What's the punishment? They're all the ones. The ones that are posting forty-five to one still, and it was seventy-five to one all of last week. Yes, all the ones posting a forty-five to one are in jail. I don't understand why he's not getting the love that these other receivers do. He he's basically going on the run that AJ Brown just had, but yeah. people fell in love with AJ Brown, and people are not giving CD Lamb any credit. What is it? Is it the Mike McCarthy stink around this team? Like, I- I'm with you. It doesn't make sense because the numbers are right there. And usually Cowboys players get the love and their prices right. don't make sense for the opposite reasons. And so, I, I yeah, I like that one. All right. <clears throat> I got killed on social media, guys. Like, destroyed. I'm talking about haters who don't even follow me coming out of the woodworks talking about when a woman talks sports, I immediately disregard. Like I got slammed for deciding that I was going to back the Jags (laughs) on the spread against the Niners. And I am here to tell you hand up. I should be because they lost. 34-3, to in case you didn't pay attention to that one. The Jags offense, what is going on? I thought you were going to take a step forward in the Doug Peterson era, and actually it's been the defense that's looked better. How do you explain Mm -hmm. this? Where has Calvin Ridley been still? This is head-scratching to me, and I look like an absolute fool for thinking that they could hang with the Niners. Now, part of that was I was hoping Trent Williams was not going to play because – when I said that was on Thursday and we didn't know for sure. However, oh my goodness, just an epic, epic disaster in that matchup. I don't know who I should put in jail myself, the Jaguars. <laughs> I'm just upset. I needed to Trent, Trent Williams is awesome, but he's not worth 31 points. You know, it probably didn't matter that much, right? <laughs> They're winning that game no matter what. They're winning that game. Debo Samuel's not worth 31 points either. Like, he came back, and it was great, but, like, the the whole thing with him is, like, you bring him on, then that helps Brandon Ayuk probably more than anybody else. But, you mean, you had some great receivers who were wide open. I mean, specifically who I would put in jail, Aaron, is the Jaguars' secondary, because I felt like the pass rush was just fine. You know, I think it was the Mm. highest uh, pressure rate that Brock Purdy faced all season long. Like, Josh Allen's Mm. a really good pass rusher. And they've got other good guys, too. But that secondary was a big unknown during the preseason. And then they looked the part until Sunday when they had all these different guys they had to defend in really unique situations. And they just couldn't do it. Like Brock Purdy looks spectacular. And I thought the game plan going in for the Jaguars in terms of coverages was awful. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's the Jaguars secondary that I think should be locked up and we have the key thrown away, Aaron. Also running back big Bigsby. He stinks. He keeps turning the ball (laughs) over. Like that did not help. either. (laughs) Aaron, it was 34 to three. We don't need to be killing Bigsby. Don't even know who the hell he is. He's not the reason they lost. I do. I do now. I know it feels worse. I know it feels worse and, you know, bad reads. It's like, oh, it feels like when it's 34 to three that, oh, that felt like three losses and L's an L. Like you could have had a bad beat and gotten an L too. There were a lot of people that were on, on Jacksonville. It felt like it was kind of split, but um, maybe it's time to have a Jaguars conversation 
And I know they just had the long winning streak before the bye, but are they Miami? And what I mean by that is, are they just going to win the games they're supposed to win, but when the level of competition is ratcheted up, like in their losses this year, Kansas City earlier, yesterday was San Francisco, are they a team that's going to be able to take down an opponent when when they're an underdog? That's that's what I'm wondering. Like, we know they can win their division games, and we'll see if they uh, hang on and win the division or if it's going to be Houston. But uh, I, maybe it's time to have that conversation because I know people want to do it with Miami and felt like they were happy that they lost to another good team. But I'll be keeping a close eye on Jacksonville moving forward when oh. they do face good teams because yesterday, I mean, what will. did they have? They had, a, I mm-hmm. mean, Trevor Lawrence, my goodness, 162 passing yards yesterday. Mm-hmm. You're chasing awesome. all game. All game he's chasing. And 162 yep. is what he could do? Mm-hmm. Sometimes buys hurt teams. And I'm not trying to make excuses for the Jags because they've got a tough schedule coming up, Joe. Like, they will play. I can't wait for at Houston, Bengals, Browns, mm-hmm. then Ravens. I don't know how they come out of that unscathed. But maybe the bye week was bad for them. Just halted all their momentum. Perhaps, but like, what do we think of Trevor Lawrence going forward? At least with Miami, yeah. like that offense can click. And I won't be surprised if they beat a really good team soon. Like I have way more confidence in the Dolphins to be able to knock off. good. I mean, that was a, a touchdown difference. And it was a really fluky pick six. That was ultimately the difference between the Chiefs and the Dolphins. That's not what happened here between the Niners and Jaguars. That was a thumping, an absolute thumping. So, I I mean, I think if we're talking about a team that can't play with the big boys, I think the Jaguars are far guiltier of that moniker than the Dolphins. Yes, yes. And, and, but there is the scenario that maybe the opponent didn't matter, that San Francisco Mm. was going to come out of the bye and just destroy whichever team was on the other side. I certainly think that's a possibility. Couple, well, next week, certainly a winnable game against Tennessee. I don't know if it's a thing, but it just stands out to me when I look at the standings that the Jaguars have all three of their losses at home. They are two and three at home. Just stay in London. (laughs) Yeah, road (laughs) warriors, but yeah, not much after that. That's for sure. Let's talk a little college football, shall we? Because Mm -hmm. I need to take to court. Now, some people want to take Michigan to court, and I'm fine with that. Because the fact that people were, you know, talking as though Jim Harbaugh was dead was a little uncomfortable <laughs> for me, you know, in terms of post-game news oh conferences. Oh, my no, God. Like, Jim Harbaugh is a martyr or something like that. Like, he's, yeah, like, we're not going to do that. No, no no respect to them at all. But here's who I want to take to jail. Pundits of college football who believe that head-to-head is the only thing that matters when deciding who is going to make the playoff and how we are supposed to rank this field. That is balderdash. Head-to-head does not matter nearly as much as you think it does. And I'm specifically talking about two games, Washington, Oregon, and Alabama, Texas. Look at the teams that lost and what have they done since those games. Well, guess what? Since Oregon lost to Washington, they have beaten team, beaten three of their four teams by double digits, including Utah. Washington has struggled against Arizona State and Stanford. Who is the better team right now? 
it's Oregon, and it's not close. How about Alabama, Texas? Well, since Bama lost to Texas, they've blasted LSU, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Kentucky. That is super duper impressive. The Longhorns struggled against TCU on Saturday. They're terrible. K State, and they lost to Oklahoma. Bama would be favored against the Longhorns. So don't give me that crap about head to head mattering more than anything else, or it's the only thing that matters. Look at what's happening in the here and now. We are supposed to decide on these teams. Yeah, resume matters somewhat, but we're supposed to figure out what these teams are like at the end of the season. Bama is better than Texas, and Oregon is better than Washington, hands down. Yep. Yep. We're never going to get past that. Like, you're right. We won't. But, the, yeah, it's just going to be the first thing everybody brings up. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Jason Lockenfora joins us with his insights and takeaways from Week 10. That's right here on the BetQL Network.